You are listening to The Essentials Podcast, Episode 10, recorded live August 5th, 2013. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Essentials Live Chat on Monday, August 5th. Really glad to have you with us this evening. It's going to be a great week ahead for everyone, I think. Yep. So, I hope so. How was your travels to Minneapolis this last weekend, Mr. Hackett? Yeah, uh, they were great. I got the opportunity to witness a Twins win. I know it's been a rarity this season, yes. but it's awesome to actually go to Target Field and see them win and actually sweep the Astros. That was fun. Um, got to hang out on the complicated lake system up there. You'd be very surprised. You don't just get on one lake. You pretty much get in the water and you're on all the lakes. So that was kind of fun. Well, it's the land of 10,000 lakes. No, it doesn't. They don't say ten thousand connected lakes. I didn't know. How many of uh, the ten thousand do you think you? Oh, hit? we we were at least on the five thousand range. Okay. Nah, yeah, they're they're like these three big lakes right in the middle of Minneapolis. You just sort of connected to them. So that was fun. <laughs> All right. Get started this week. We we're talking about worship. Last week we started the conversation on worship, talking more about uh, the idea of worship as a whole in regards to our whole life, uh, bringing honor to the Lord. And then now this week we're getting into a little more specific talking about corporate worship, in other words, talking about a congregation's worship service on Saturday night, Sunday morning, whenever they have that. So we're going to just talk tonight about different items that correlate with a worship service, throw around some ideas and things. This is a topic that usually gets some emotions flowing for different people. All of us were raised with different experiences. All of us like uh, different parts of a worship service. And so tonight we're just going to talk about worship service. If you got questions about why we do certain things we do, what should be done, um, anything. We're willing to take the conversation in any direction that would be helpful. Over on the right side of your screen is a little chat box. We encourage you to sign in there. You can sign in with an alias, your cat's name, or your real name, and make some comments or questions, or don't say anything at all. And uh, But we encourage your participation. Tonight we're giving away another iTunes gift certificate. All right. I think this was quite popular last week. <laughs> iTunes gift certificate, opportunity to go out and purchase some new music, maybe, and uh, so I'm thinking of retiring from the chat just so that I can have an opportunity to win these fabulous prizes. <laughs> you know, Paul, what would you buy first thing out? Yeah, I'm just curious. What would you buy with that gift card right off the bat? What's the, may I ask the dollar value? Ten dollar. Ten dollars. You're gonna buy a ten dollar song? No, no, no. I just wonder how much I have to spend. You know, oh, I have the first purchase. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'd just get out there and start browsing and find something that looked tasty. Okay. Yeah. I assume that Tetra download songs have got to be rather reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> 99 cents a download song yeah, or something? I think they're probably on sale. All right, off. we're way off topic. We're way off topic. Let's get started this evening talking about the issue of corporate, corporate worship. Let's start with what do you think is the biggest issue facing churches today regarding corporate worship? What is the biggest issue facing churches today regarding corporate worship or their worship service? Well, I, I think I would at least make the statement that I think it, it's debatable that the largest issue facing churches today is corporate worship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that can be a, a pretty fair statement, which I've spent a lot of time thinking and talking about corporate worship, especially with friends and stuff. But one of the largest issues with corporate worship today, I think, is how do we take an age-old message and contextualize it for the culture today without changing the age-old message? And I think that that's the problem. What is contextual? contextual mean? If I'm going to contextualize something, what does it mean to contextualize something? Mm-hmm. Well, to me it means you're making it 
relevant in a certain way, and that doesn't mean changing the message or softening it or compromising in any way. What it means is making it rel relevant in style is one way that I would say it. Um, for instance, I'll just choose an extreme for the sake of argument here. Um, for someone to come out and in Sioux Falls right now to lead worship in Gregorian chants, for example, as the type of music. Nothing wrong with that, but that is, I think, safe to say not contextualized to this, this culture because the music and the style that people are familiar with is, that's completely foreign to them. So for someone to try to participate in that, you know, it's not relevant to them because the music makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, and if I was going to use a, an example of that outside of corporate worship itself, just to allude to the truth of what it means to contextualize, today in our culture last week we talked about the idea of like wearing someone's jersey, like if it had a name on it. If I were to say, if I were to go back 2,000 years and say, I want to show you that I'm worshiping you, and I put on a jersey with your name on it, that would have no context to those people. Yeah. They would, I mean, yes, I would be ascribing you worship, but they would have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. So in order to contextualize the truth that I'm worshiping or bringing value to something, in today's culture, I'd wear a jersey that's culturally acceptable and, and contextualized yeah. that I'm ascribing worship. And, and I think that that truth applies to the biblical truths today of saying, you know, what, what do we do to take these biblical truths and present them or some of the essentials and present them in a way in which... People understand what they are. They feel comfortable. They know what's going on. They don't, you know, those right. sorts of things. We've got a comment in the chat room here. Worship versus choreographed show. And I'm going to assume a little bit, maybe the thought behind this comment is worship versus an entertainment set. Mm -hmm. An entertainment set is usually, if you watch any entertainment that's choreographed, even reality TV, for everybody's watching reality TV, anybody think that... Think Are that you that's sure? People on real television. I'm pretty sure it's real. So I think it's real. <laughs> reality television is, is planned out, is everything to the finest detail, and any, and so sometimes and it's for entertainment purposes. Um, mm -hmm. So how do we have this balance between sometimes worship can come across as entertainment thing if you've got your band up there and um, people are there to listen or watch the band. Well, how do we balance that, or is that not an issue at all? Well, we touched on this just a little bit last week, and for starters, I'm going to say <laughs> it's difficult to tell if it's entertainment or worship to some extent because it's about the heart of the worshipers or of the leaders. And if someone's up there playing loud um, with a fancy show, you know, it could, it could be worship, it may not. It's the the attitude that they're bringing before the Lord. That's how I would start to answer that. Um, the, the where I'd go next is make it a little bit personal. The three of us are all involved in worship services quite a bit, you know, to various extents. You being a pastor, of course. Um, you being involved with music. Derek being involved with music and production team a lot. Production you know, team. You have the production team. Hey, what else do you want to call it? Yeah, we're going from the bench. We now have a production team. <laughs> I wanted to make it sound good. <laughs> but if I'm going to personalize it for the, say, the three of us, and even just speaking for myself, you know, there is a little bit of a conflict there because when I think about how I want to play music and worship, there's there's the idea of, I want to do my best before the Lord. 
and that can go in a lot of different directions. When some when some people say, "I want to do my best before the Lord," that means they want they want a show, because to them, that's that's glorifying and magnifying God by making you know a yeah. grand show with the lights and everything in sync and something they've spent hours and hours rehearsing and planning down to the minute minute detail. Now others might say that's not necessary. You know the Lord just requires a you know the heart of worship and he just requires a, a simple song of praise and and that it you know which one's right I, I don't know it, it comes down what's the heart of the worshiper you know and I'm starting there we can go in a lot of different directions which we'll probably get into as far as again the contextualization you know the relevance the style and how that translates to the, the group that we're with but wouldn't one part be of it easy participation or am I simplifying yeah. things too much by saying one goal is that it's easy for people to participate in the worship service. Mm -hmm. That if that if it's um, so entertainment-ish thing where the songs are so perfection by mm -hmm. certain ways that it's hard for people to actually sing along mm -hmm. thing or isn't that an issue at all? Isn't that an issue at all? Is it always easy to participate? Yeah, no that's, where, what? that's really where I think the contextualization comes in. Who are you playing to? Yeah, exactly. Because when you go out, let's just take Life Light for an example. Um, when a loud band is up there playing worship music, I see predominantly younger people, not always younger people, singing their hearts out. And part of that is, in to them, they understand that musical style. It moves them. They're comfortable with with singing loud when it's loud, when others around them are loud. If we translate into maybe the worship setting we're more familiar with on a week to week basis, it's, it's not going to translate as well because people aren't accustomed to that. So we're looking for something more where I would get into the participatory, you know, in terms of being able to sing along relatively easily. I'll let you uh, continue well, on and, that. And I, I don't, you know, I don't know where I fall on that subject. Only from the sense that when we talk about corporate worship as a whole, there's not necessarily a participation requirement in the sense that, you know, that you have to be participating in order to be worshiping accurately, right? Or, you know, whatever it is. Because, I mean, we don't, we don't you know, most 99% of our sermons aren't question and answer based. I mean, you don't get up there and say a line in the sermon and say, take a break. Did everybody understand what I just said? Can you, can you repeat that back to me? So what what is there a difference in the music that way? Did ever could everybody sing that? Hold on a second. Everybody sing that. There's something to be said that when you craft sermon illustration, you craft things, you craft it to the audience that are there in order that they can understand it. But I, there there's something to be said about the where in which you participate in corporate worship really is a personal element of where you're at in your life. And and as you are in that, that can change and ebb and flow across time and that's where that I think we all ultimately get back to discussion of contextualizing the things to the audience that you have. And, and I think that even culture is not even necessarily a word to play because you really are contextualizing to the group of people that are gathered. Now, it brings up an interesting subject because then you get into the point of what is the point of corporate worship, which is where I would differ on the contextualizing to the people that you have because is corporate worship for the people sitting in the chairs or is corporate worship for the church as a whole or is corporate worship for the city as a whole? And what, what are you trying to provide? And what, what, what's the ultimate goal of corporate worship? Maybe that's a good segue to even ask the question is, 
what do you guys think the ultimate goal of corporate worship even is as an entity itself? Why do we do it? What What's the point? Mm-hmm. Well, this gets into, I don't want to, we can keep going off on a lot of trails here. One thing that's unique, for instance, about the situation we're in in Sioux Falls is there are dozens of churches, therefore dozens of different ways that worship is being done. To go back to your question, worship, corporate worship is the body of Christ coming together and worshiping together at its most fundamental level. Well, if you're, we were kind of chatting about this the other night, if, if you're in Africa in a small village, there's one church, therefore there's one way to worship, in a sense, because it's the way they worship is how those people worship. They're all together, there's not a church just down the block, but we have a unique, I would say, environment here because of all these different churches so then there are options for people and you know it's not even intentional necessarily that everybody does it different it's just the fact that all these different options exist then people can choose and they can find what they prefer or what suits Mm -hmm. them best and that just sort of snowballs on itself because then you almost get into this competition or you get people searching around for that and we kind of lose sight, I guess my point, going off tangent there, my point coming back to what you were saying is fundamentally we're, we're there to worship God together as the body of Christ, and that's the fundamental purpose of it that kind of, I think, gets lost in all these other things, but hopefully that's what we're always coming back to, and where we're formulating the argument of all these preference and style things around is, can we find that style and that preference that allows us to worship together. Yeah, on one, on one hand, all of the options are a, are a negative in the sense that it leads to a consumeristic mindset mm-hmm. of constantly, mm-hmm. what's in it for me? Um, I'm going to go somewhere where my needs are, are fulfilled in a sense, but at the same time is, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with going somewhere to where you enjoy. I mean, why yeah, not, why not go participate in a style that you enjoy? I mean, there's nothing wrong. I would encourage that. If you don't enjoy it, don't show up. Right. Thing, find something that you enjoy. Thing. Now, there's a deeper issue: is that if you can't, if you can't worship in in any setting, at some level here, any follower of Christ should be able to worship in any setting if their heart's in the right place. I would have a hard time saying if if you can't worship in any setting. I think there's some other issues you have to deal with. Yeah. But I don't see anything wrong with people. I mean, we're all doing it. We're all choosing a preference and a style that we live with, that we can live with, and that we enjoy. Thing. And so I would encourage people at least find something live with. Yeah. yeah, find something that people can live with and a style yeah. they enjoy. Well, and, and that brings up a, a, a point too: is that personal preference in regards to corporate worship is a is a is a very is a point where people get divided. And I think that one of the greatest issues facing corporate worship is a misunderstanding of what truly is the essential of corporate worship gets back to why are we worshiping anyways versus um, other things. And, and we may talk about that a little later, but like some of these key phrases around worship, like worship has to have formal liturgy or worship has to have songs that always say you or I and not me or my, or, you know, these sorts of things. Or it has to, you have to preach from the four gospel texts or it's not worship. Those are the personal preference statements that are big dangers to corporate worship today. Mm-hmm. With that being said, there's also dangers of not formalizing stuff. But 
it's a bigger danger to say, well, you're not worshiping God because you didn't read these five lines from that's everybody's read since the start of Christianity. And I wonder if there was, you know, just as you're talking about this, if, if there is that bigger underlying issue. When, when we started out the chat here, he said, you know, how big of an issue is, is worship in today's churches? I think it's certainly the most visible issue in terms of that's what everyone's talking about, arguing about, you know, trying to figure out, essentially. But underlying that, I wonder, based on what, what you two are just saying, is, is the bigger issue that of like, engagement in worship, having people in churches that are engaged in worship that, that truly understand what it means to come before the Lord as a group, as God's people in worship, and I'm not saying that's going to solve all the preference issues because it definitely won't, but it seems like there can be a change of the attitude there where it allows people to come together in more of a unified sense and say, I can set aside one of some of these preferences because I'm coming before the Lord to worship and therefore I'm starting with that attitude rather than saying, well, if the music's good today, then I'll be able to worship. You know, so kind of there's two different, I don't know, points of view you can come into a worship service with. And I wonder if more often it's that, you know, like you said, we come in trying to be fulfilled by something or seeing something that really gets us emotionally rather than having our heart there in the first place. So that brings up a good point. Of em that brings up emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, emotions are easily played with. Thing. It doesn't take much to get people emotionally um excited or emotionally sad or whatever thing um so one of the questions is what is the role of emotions in in our life of worship um should we be expressing emotion on saturday night sunday morning when we're gathered with with others um what is the role of emotions well i part part of emotions there's a there's, there's a couple of schools of thought around emotions in corporate worship. One of the key ones being is that God created us fully, and God created us with emotions. And so God, using the Holy Spirit, can express emotions during corporate worship service. And so a good example of that would be is if, if, a corp, if a corporate worship service had an element of confession, there could be emotions involved with confession. I mean, you could be confessing things, and God could be breaking you down and convicting you during a worship service. And so tears or anger or those... Those sorts of emotions could easily express themselves in a worship service. Mm -hmm. But I think the point that Rich is getting at is should emotions be manipulated from the worship service itself? Mm -hmm. a, a fact being is, is, should we try to stir up emotion by using song or lighting or you know these different elements? And for me personally, I, I have a little bit of a problem saying that people become a part of Christianity based on emotion that sort of gets back to this idea of, you know, I'm scared of hell, so I'm part of this, and I love worship on Sunday mornings because it makes me feel good, that thing. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, that's bad. But I think that emotion play a key role. Emotions do play a key role because God uses those as our full being. And just because you play a song that has a melody that's, that's emotional doesn't mean the power of those lyrics are any different just because you know, we wrote them to be emotional. I mean, it would do no good to read emotional lines in a very monotone voice and just speak them. It, I, I don't think that they're created that way. 
Yeah, I mean, I think humans are emotional, so I think it's unrealistic to think that people can come bef come before the Lord to worship and not have any emotions about it. I think we're created that way. It gets into maybe one little aspect of of where I'd say a worship service may different may differ from, let's say, a concert. So if you were to go to see maybe a popular Christian band in concert, um, you know they're they're still singing about the Lord. There's worship going on, all that. An experience like that may be a little bit more emotional. And no, again, nothing wrong with that because I, I believe truth is being proclaimed there. But that might be, say, one way that a worship service that we might have on a Sunday morning is set apart is because there may, there may be an element of that through song, maybe most notably. But there are other elements, for instance, preaching. The preaching can be emotional to some extent, depending on who's doing it. But the idea is that with the preaching, there's sound biblical doctrine being preached. You know, the gospel is being preached. Um, again, that can be emotional, but it, it, it doesn't have maybe the same angle as the music and how it would manipulate the emotions. So we're, you know, I don't want to say the songs don't have substance because we hope that they do, but we add these other elements like the reading of scripture and confession and preaching to go along with it to where we can say, okay, when we gather corporately to worship, we have these items of substance, you know, so that they're, they're getting something out of, out of it besides just the, the emotional lift, maybe. Yeah, one of the famous teachings from, um, I believe, the Navigators, a Christian organization, talked a lot about emotions as the, um, what's the final car in a train thing? The caboose. caboose. The caboose. Yes, the caboose. <laughs> so emotions, emotions are the caboose, not the engine. Mm -hmm. That what should what should be happening is is the substance of God's word, the substance of whatever's preached, sung, da da da. da. That should think, and then our emotions follow that, rather than our emotions leading the way, Drive the train. driving the driving the train thing. Yeah, because one cool. danger with emotions is is you can get a false sense of security. You can have you can have people, and this is just fact I think everybody would agree with <laughs> you've had plenty of times in Christianity where you've had the guitar playing people start crying they see other people start crying and you get a bunch of people to say yes to Jesus mm -hmm. thing well at the end of the day a week later <laughs> maybe nobody said yes to yes to Jesus but there's this sense so everybody left thinking wow that was amazing that was the best experience ever well they're ba they're judging that based off of the emotional outpouring that they saw. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, emotions can be dangerous, but on the other hand, if emotions don't follow, if there is no emotional outpouring, I would defer back to what Derek had said earlier, it's part of our whole being. So therefore, if emotions don't follow, our whole being, our life as a whole, we're not just mental, we're emotional, spiritual, the whole thing. If emotions don't follow, maybe we truly haven't been quickened. Maybe we truly haven't entered into worship. Yeah, I, I think that that's a great point. And I think that one of the fruits or gauge that you can you can really lay on top of a congregation is to see how emotionally invested they are in either what's going on during corporate worship or, or even as the church as a whole as that following train. And I think it works both ways. I mean, in a, a congregation that's driven by emotion or a corporate worship service that's driven on the pins of emotion, you can really feel the weakness of that when it becomes to the full church activities as themselves. But a church that's that is lacking emotion and all their and you don't have any, it's the same thing. It's very weak. You can you know, 
you can feel that as in the church as a whole, I think, as fruits of the, what the church is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that sort of comes back to the importance of corporate worship is you can really get a feel for what the, I mean, that, that truly is where you get a feel for what the church is, people would say, is that during during their corporate worship, you can step in and, you know, pinpoint this church is where it's at today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that draws to a good question is, is it, with with everything that's being said, do we leverage emotion in planning corporate worship? I mean, should that be an aspect that we're thinking of? Should we be, should we play a slow and meaningful song right before confession or right after confession? Should we, you know, instead of do, you know, there are plenty of songs that talk about Jesus's death, but do you pick nothing but the blood after confession or do you pick, you know, Jesus Christ is risen today? You know, what, mm-hmm. you know, same talking about the same thing. Christ died for all. But I guarantee you pick nothing but the blood. You well, know, it kind of goes back to the text should drive the emotion. So, for example, if you're talking about hell and you're giggling about it, <laughs> hell's great, <laughs> hell's a horrible place thing. Well, what you're saying doesn't match how you're saying it. Thing, same thing could be said as we're singing and so forth. So, if we're if we're talking about the depth of our sin, it probably should be this solemn. Um, more reflective, dark, maybe? dark, reflective type thing to it because it follows the um, it follows the text. Mm-hmm. Is it should always match? Hopefully, it matches. Well, you're you're, you're laying you're, an, an emotional overlay over the top of what yeah. you think the emotion of the text should be. Well, no, well, I'm saying is well, everybody's making that judgment thing mm-hmm. with yeah. it. But anybody that makes the judgment that talking about sin should be happy should probably check the scriptures thing in. Or anybody that thinks you should be giggling when talking about hell needs to check the scriptures again. Wow. Yeah, so I'm not thinking sure much of an assume there. Even I'm, well, I'm trying to think of an example where it wouldn't be obvious what the emotion should be. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I mean, yeah, so that's pretty obvious. I mean, you read the Psalms, it's all about clap your hands, mm-hmm. blow the trumpets. Well, I, th- I think it'd be more, I think the issue lies more in stuff that's either not brought to the appropriate seriousness or brushed over when it comes to song or preaching, not the obvious, like, you know, I'm going to giggle when talking about hell, but reverence would be a good one. Like, the importance of the reverence of the Lord in a worship service varies from church to church. The emotion of that varies. Some churches, God is my friend, best friend, hey, great job, you know, talk about him in a joke. Other places is like, you are the Lord, the creator, the almighty, you know, and it's very like, you talk about the reverence. I think that's an example of saying, what do you do emotionally and what's right and what's scripture and what's biblical? And that's where you run into problems in corporate worship. I don't, you know, there's not many churches that... I don't think there's any problems there because I think it can be both thing. You can be in an extremely celebratory reverence time of praising someone. That's reverence of giving someone praise. At the same time, it can be a very much serious time of, hey, let's get It can be a little bit of a chicken or the egg argument here. For instance, during a time of confession, if we're going to play a... um, a little a slower, more somber hymn like Rock of Ages. Well, to some people, they're going to hear that and it's stirring up some kind of emotion because it's a nostalgic type of hymn. Yeah. Or just the sound of it stirs that up. So someone can look at that and say, well, you know, you play that hymn during there because you're trying to drag this repentance out of people by stirring up the emotion. But the other argument of that, and you know, if I'm picking that song for, for confession, hopefully my, my motives are pure there. But the way I would look at that from the other side, as I was saying, I'm trying to 
not so much manipulate people emotionally, but try to facilitate that time a little bit. And it's how people's brains maybe kind of engage with the music to some extent. If we're playing I Am a Friend of God in a upbeat, peppy manner during the time of, of reflection or repentance or confession, you know, like I'm just saying, it, it, it pulls people out of that because the music doesn't match it. So suddenly you've got your minds in two different places. Mm -hmm. So it, some of it's about setting the, the tone a little bit. And you can't, ultimately, you can't control. You could oh, easily okay. dictate someone's emotions. And at the end of the day, there's nothing you can, nothing you can do about that. Yep. And that's why you can't base the, that's why you can't base the success off of how emotional that get. I mean, ultimately, it goes back to Jesus. You judge a tree by its fruit. And you look at God in the Old Testament through the prophets. His, <laughs> his condemnation about the people of Israel was never, hey, your trumpet playing was horrible in the temple. Mm -hmm. His condemnation for the worship was, hey, you're not seeking justice in your day-to-day -day lives. Thing. You're oppressing the poor. You're forgetting the widow. Thing. So it goes back again to that. The, the fruit of, of the life is where we have to make judgment, and most of us are unwilling to do that because we're afraid I, of... I think that ties right into Shannon's uh, comment here. When we're talking about, let's say, the style of worship in a given church, I would say, you know, <laughs> I would start by looking at what's, what's the substance of the worship service, particularly in the preaching. I, I would say starting with the preaching, is it a, a church that preaches God's word faithfully, that seeks to be obedient to the Lord, you know, to where when people are gathered corporately, they are hearing that teaching and it's biblical. If, if there's that, then I think you can truly say these other style and preference things are secondary. And we see that some of the, these arguments we see going on online, it, it's kind of frustrating to see because it's a constant back and forth. It's, um, I don't want to generalize too much, but for instance, you'll, some of the, on the traditional side will say, well, these new fangled churches with their crazy music, they're just so shallow because there's no, they don't have the liturgy. There's no substance. People just want to be there to enjoy the music and have a good time. Well, on the other side, you know, it's just as easy for people that are maybe on this more contemporary side to look back and say, well, look at your traditional churches people are, they're zombies in there. There's no, there seems to be no engagement. You know, so for every, every argument on one side, there's an argument on the other. So what I, you know, what I think it comes down to is what does the preaching and the teaching look like at that church? I mean, sure, you've got contemporary, you know, churches with the crazy light shows and music and everything, and the, the preaching is watered down. It's just feel good. There's nothing there. But at the same time, there's churches that are, I mean, they're just bringing the gospel at those churches, and they're, you know, they're bringing the Bible faithfully. So, it, you know, these generalizations are, they don't really go anywhere. The arguments, I don't think, go anywhere. I think it comes down to, at the fundamental level, what's the substance? Well, and that, that brings up, that's an interesting point, and I, and I guess that formulates a question in my mind, which I, I tend to disagree with you a little bit, only in the sense that, I don't. I wouldn't elevate the preaching above any other elements of the worship service when it comes to being biblically based. In that, if the preaching was straight on, straight from the Bible, but they had songs were heretical, you know, 
I don't know, what's the right word? Heretical. Like, heretical? Heretical. Yeah. That's just my classic English, not being so well. But I mean, <laughs> heretical, if, the, you know, the con things they were saying in confession weren't right, if, you know, they did all this stuff. Yeah. To me, the, the most important factor is not how the songs are sung. It's that the songs are proclaiming a true Jesus right. and the songs are biblically based. And I think that elevating, and I would apply the tall elements of the service, because I think that the worship service itself, a song could have just as strong of an essential biblical message to a person than the preaching does. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can it can preach God's word, it can have application truth, it can have all the elements that you would put into a sermon. It can be in a song just as easily. And that's where a lot of people, I think, when they start thinking about corporate worship, don't realize that corporate worship should be glorifying to God in all the elements. And God wants all the elements to be biblically sound. He doesn't, he doesn't raise the one song above the preaching or the song above... The, yeah. you know, all those things are sit on a level playing field. So for me, I would I would never start at the pre. I would say, is are all the elements biblically based? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, that's a good point of clarification. And mm -hmm. yeah, I would. That's what I meant. I, I probably emphasized that a little incorrectly. That I'm coming from this assumption that that the music is is honoring <laughs> to God as well. Um, mm -hmm. Just that I was maybe getting a little bit more at the at the style um, service order. You know, some of these these things. And that's where I tend to say. The challenge from the, the music, from my perspective, is that a lot of the new music, and again, <laughs> not bad, but a lot of the new music speaks or sings to God, and it doesn't sing so much about God. And if you look at a lot of the hymns, they sing about God. And so, you can run into this a little bit, where you have a time of singing, and it's all about expressing something from you to God, which there's nothing wrong with at all, thing. But there's no singing about who God is, thing. And so where's that that teaching, that proclamation in those in those things? Again, uh, you could argue that, well, the sermon is the, about God, and the singing is to God. So, I mean, that's an argument that you could, they could make. I, make that. I really struggle with a lot of the new songs based on that, is that some of the content is just singing different things to God and if it's true what you're singing then it's great but if it's just feels good to sing it well that to me is another issue yeah. and I, I think that's a big problem even across preaching and even in some of the, some of what you read and even some of the more traditional liturgy and stuff you read that and you gotta really find that difference and try to figure out okay you know what, what, what am I what am I doing right now what am I reading what am I singing like yeah. And, and a lot of people don't even take heads or tails about what they're singing or what they're reading or as long as it's on the screen I'm going to sing it or read it and mm -hmm. as long as it comes out of the pastor's mouth I'm going to believe it And yeah. so, well, C.S. Lewis and Martin Luther both made interesting arguments and they said it in different ways but they basically said we become what we hum in other words how we sing ends up defining how we think and, and how we behave as Christians and it's an interesting perspective in the sense that if you thought that we weren't in depth anymore of the teaching of scripture and if you looked at what we're singing you might make a be able to correlation there sometimes i'm not saying that's the way it is yeah it's an interesting <laughs> perspective from those two guys who really emphasized and they emphasize doing the same thing week to week using, the, using, a, using a formal yeah. thing is that it formed the way you thought it formed who you were by by that repetitive repetitiveness yeah i mean i think this isn't necessarily a personal attack on anybody but Let's face it, there's a lot of bad songs out there. 
you know, bad worship songs, even bad hymns, you know, not to make it all about a certain time period, but, you know, it, it just underscores the importance that, you know, when a worship service is being planned, that, you know, there should be, there's some responsibility on the part of the leadership to pick songs that work just as much as, you know, putting together a good sermon, you know, that preaches God's word. Um, all the elements in the service should be honoring God and, and speaking truth. And, I don't know, hopefully hopefully we're purging some of those songs that we find that maybe aren't, aren't as solid from that point. Well, hopefully what we've been talking about tonight and this week has been helpful in helping other people think through these different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we close tonight, let's um, see if we can give let me, one point. Let me ask you guys, can I give you, a, maybe you can give me like a 30-second response. All after right, all 30 this. seconds. Time around. 30 seconds. Well, after we've talked about all this, where I still get stuck on, you guys, I mean, us three just on our own time, we've spent hours and hours and hours talking about this. So I still get, I get still get stuck in this, like, how much should we be talking about the worship service? I know it's important, but all of the debate of the style and things like that, I know it's a huge issue because churches have to deal with it. And the bottom line is you can say, you know, we can all just come together and worship. It doesn't matter the style. Well, at the end of the day, for your particular church, you still have to define a style because mm-hmm. you still have to do the worship service. So I, I don't know, I'm just, what do you guys think? Like, do we talk about it too much? Let me ask you that. Do we talk about it too much? Do we obsess over it too much? Is, does the whole church community talk about it too much? I don't know. Well, my perspective is that um, we do talk about it too much, and uh, I believe at the end of the day we've got to pick and choose and roll with it thing. You live with it, and you say, this is, this is who we are, and this is what we do. Um, and there's great opportunity out there for everyone to find something that they can enjoy. I have no problem, and I don't say this just to say this, I have no problem with people leaving and finding a spot that they enjoy. Then I say, God bless. If it's a place that um, is, is, so, is solid in the sense that Jesus Christ is king, believes in the uh, script, teaching of scripture as the foundation authority for faith and life, um, say, say go for it. I would say we spend way too much talking about it, and the reason we spend way too much time talking about it is because we are focused on pleasing people rather than focused on accomplishing the mission of the church. Saying at the end of the day, we want people to like us and we want to please everyone so everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we got to do stuff to try and make everyone happy rather than saying, hey, this is the way it is. This is what we're going to do as our community here, and we're going to get on with the business of accomplishing the mission. But we're people pleasers and uh, yeah. some places I think are great at saying hey we're going to seek the lost and that's what we're doing if you don't like it go somewhere else or whatever and other places are great at saying this is what we do but I think it becomes is, can you become mission first rather than people pleasing first mm-hmm. I would say yes we talk about it more than we should but I think it boils down to what Rich said in a pretty succinct sentence worship's all about what's from the heart and so to me corporate worship is a strategic decision for the church and if you don't agree with the strategic decision of any part of the church, find a church where you can back the strategic decision. Because to mm-hmm. me, corporate worship 100% should be about what you're going to do as a church because it's not about who's there, it's about who you're reaching. And if it's all about the heart of worship, whoever's there, they're disciples of Christ. Let's go out and mm-hmm. make some new believers, or go out and, you know, 
All right, let's, believers, so. let's finish up here with now something practical for people. At the end of the day, you're going to walk into church. Every church you walk into, they're going to have the Bible, for the most part. I mean, let's just take out the extreme examples. Mm -hmm. They're going to have the Bible. The sermon's going to have some scripture verses sprinkled in throughout it. You know, for the, again, vast majority song. So my question is, what should people be looking for when they're going to a, a worship service? What should they be looking for that gives them a sense that, yes, this is where I can worship regularly in this corporate experience? What's one thing they should look for uh, in that time? Something practical for, for people to hold on to. Mm -hmm. well, I'd say if they look first and they can see that all the core things are being met, the biblical foundation you talked about, preaching. I would say, honestly, then it goes to preference. And, and like you've been saying, I don't, I don't think it matters at that point if people look at two identical churches that both appear to be faithfully following Christ, and they say, you know what, I like the music better over here. That's where I'm going. I hope, I hope they get maybe to another level and, and they look at more, how can I serve this church? That's maybe one thing I would go to, and I would say, you know, is there some way I can serve this particular church? Because there, there might be a need here that I can maybe help with. Not, not necessarily bringing a conceited attitude, but just saying, you know, there's someone here, this, this church seems to have trouble, you know, finding people to run the, the video equipment. And I'm good at that. You know, this might be a place where I can, I can serve this body. I don't know if that's helpful. That's that's one way I would try to look at it. I think I think you can walk into a worship service, look around, see who's following along in their Bibles. I think if if it's worship service, if the people aren't in the Word, it's going to be very hard for me to believe that that's a very faithfully following the Bible church if the believers aren't following the Bible. So I mean, if mm -hmm. if they've got Bibles open, if people you know the pastors talking about go to this page, look at this, talk about this, what have you been doing about this? To me, that means that they're at least trying to see what God would reveal to them in the scriptures. If, if you go to a church and there's pew Bibles and they open it up and read two lines and set the pew Bible down and you can tell those pew Bibles look as new as they did when they came out of the package, I don't want to make generalizations, but I think that that would be a big warning sign mm -hmm. to watch out for what's being preached from the pulpit at that point and what the songs are singing. So, Yep, absolutely. I'd love to run a study. I'm just going to make a generalization and a judgment. I'm willing to make a judgment here tonight that... You can make a quick judgment on a church by how many people are walking in with the Bible on Sunday morning. Now, I realize that some are carrying their phone and their iPad and things like that, but mm -hmm. how many people are bringing the Bible and opening up the Scripture? I believe there is a direct correlation between that and how serious they are about Jesus. Because at yeah. the end of the day, you're only serious about Jesus if you're serious about the Bible. Because we only know Jesus through the revelation of Scripture. So I'm going to go with Derek on this one and say that that's one practical thing you can look for. How many people are bringing a Bible on Sunday morning to worship? Because that's it says something. You're serious about Jesus thing. And I think there would be a correlation. Again, I don't have stats to back this up. I'd love in free time to run a statistical <laughs> analysis on this. But uh, I think you'd find a direct correlation between, math, those, guys. between those congregations <laughs> that are bringing their Bibles and those congregations that aren't, that are remaining faithful to Christ and are, and are seeking to be obedient to Him yep. and worship us all of life. We've been all over the map tonight talking about different aspects of corporate worship, mm -hmm. and so I hope it's been helpful to everyone. And uh, next week is kind of a brown bag. Yep. Next week is a brown bag, which means bring your own lunch. But in this, <laughs> in this instance, it means bring your own questions or your own thoughts 
our next week we're going to be going off on different topics here there and everywhere so hope you'll join us next week for a little chat and a little conversation appreciate your time this week everyone hope you enjoy a great great week and thanks for being with oh. oh whoa thank you iTunes gift card. I was starting to think that was going in my pocket. Oh, I thought I was going to walk away with that thing. Giving away to Paul. We know he doesn't need any more music. We didn't even know what he was going to buy with it. So. Somebody give me a number. Uh, one or, we had two people ask questions here in the chat tonight. Thing. Somebody give me a number between one and two. One or two. One <laughs> or two. Put a number behind. I got a number behind my back here. Number behind my back. Okay. Okay. Guess it? Yes. One. It is a number <laughs> one. <laughs> Thing. Pat and John B, you've won yourself a little gift certificate to iTunes. It'll just automatically show up to you. It'd be amazed. This thing works like a beauty. <laughs> it automatically will show up to you, and then you can buy some hymn music or some whatever you want. Organ music, <laughs> music, cello music. I'm still trying to figure out how that for... selection process just worked, but I'm going to let it go. <laughs> Scientific <laughs> thing. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week. Have a great week. We'll see you next week at our brown bag live web chat next Monday. Good night.